good sign when Jesus says, what are we going to do? But he says, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? But then it says this. Then it says this. This is the most important part. For he already knew what he would do. What does that mean? Before there's a problem, he already has the answer. Before you run into an issue, before you have a situation rise up in your life, he's already, he's already in charge. He's already, he already knows what to do. And all God's people say it. Now, with that being said, being said, I, am I going in and out or am I just hearing this? Do I need to do something different? What do I need to do? Cuss something? What, I mean, what do I need to do? Is, is it, it, huh? Grab a handheld. Eh, great. All right. Let's try a handheld. There we go. Yeah, that really worked. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You got to give them a hard time. Church, say amen. Now, listen, with that being said, uh, I want you all to know, Tuesday has not taken God by surprise. All right? God already knows what's going to happen. He already knows who's going to be there. Listen, it's all, it's, it's all going to be okay. No matter what. I know who I don't want to be in there. I don't want neither one of them in there. All right? Hold up. Hold, 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 hold. Hold. You're getting in my time. <clears throat> listen, listen. But no matter who's there, we serve a king who is in charge and everything's under control. I don't want nobody leaving this and fretting and worrying and just, oh, my goodness. Listen, everything's going to be okay. You say, but we're going we're gonna to go through tribulation. Okay. Guess what? The Bible said we would. But the Bible also says his grace is sufficient. The Bible also says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Are you all with me? i I, I got to move along because I'm going to get excited. I'll start preaching that right there. But that, anyway, hey, you all chill out. Everything's going to be okay. God is still in charge. Amen? Now, it is It is. Such a privilege. I'm, I'm so excited. I feel like a kid at Christmas. I'm not lying. I, I just, I'm so excited for what God is doing here with the people that are being saved and lives are being changed. But it is, it is my privilege. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we, have, we have our new family with us today. <clears throat> we have our new family. Ho, 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 ho. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, y'all ready to just tear into the presence. Amen. Listen. I'm not, I'm not going to make them stand up while y'all sit down and do that because I know one of the greatest fears in life is public speaking and second is to be pointed out in a big venue. So I'm not going to do that, amen? I don't want to terrify them right here. Uh, but I, want, I will say this, they're on that side of the building. <clears throat> but that's all I'm going to say, amen? That's all I'm going to say. Will y'all help me welcome our brand new family, Spring Arbor Baptist Church to Temple Baptist Church. Will you help me welcome them today? Amen. Amen. Listen, partnering together to see the kingdom of God expanded in this world. Amen. Yes, amen. Now, here's a couple of things I need to remind you. I think they've got a couple. Uh, uh, do we have that up there, brother? Uh, uh First, don't forget, for all of our people here, sign up, start November the 20th. So I want you to be praying. 
praying what God would have you to do. If God would have you to go and help us out there and uh, uh, in that endeavor, I want you to sign up by, uh, are, are they, is it already out there or that's when it ends? It starts that day. Okay, so no signing up till that day. Okay, so don't ask me that. Y'all get me after church. I want to sign up. November 20th, we're going to have the sign-up. So, so be praying from now to then. Then the second one, our launch meeting is going to be December the 11th. For all those that have signed up, all those that have prayed about it and you feel like uh, you'd like more information about it. And, and by the way, if, if, if you come to the launch meeting, that doesn't mean you have to go. It means you're interested in it, and it means you'd like to know more information about it. And all the information will be given that day. Don't call the church office. Don't get me after church and ask, well, what about this? Everything you need to know will be in that meeting right there, okay? Because we're still doing some details on that. So the launch meeting will be uh, December the 11th at 1 o'clock in the Rock. And then launch Sunday at Temple Baptist Church Fairview will be January the 15th. We're going to kick it off with a bang. Can we give God praise and glory? Amen. How many of y'all are as excited as I am about that? Amen. Amen. Well, let's look. Let's, let's jump right into God's Word today. Look in, in, uh, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Y'all been standing up. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in, in verse, number, verse number 6. And then we'll go back to chapter 8, but I'll read these couple verses and let you sit down. All right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in verse number 6. When you found your spot, say amen. amen. The Bible says, But this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Read this with me. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Read that again. Say it again. Now, understand this. How many of y'all know that John 3, 16 is still in the Bible? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That world is all mankind. Every human being God loves. But this is a different love. This is not the same type of love. This is not the same love of his for you that he wants you to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is a different deal. This is a different favor. There is a certain favor, there is a certain feeling that God has to those who are a cheerful giver. So let's talk about that today. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy. Thank you for your kindness to us. God, I am so thrilled just with the atmosphere that's in this place, the excitement that you are generating for our people. Lord, as we go on mission to see your will done, to see your kingdom prospered, I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> Giving is something that nobody likes talking about. I, I, I never have. I, when I was growing up, uh, I wouldn't ask for anything. I'm telling you, if my sister did not ask for the lunch money that morning before we went to school, we didn't get none because I wasn't about to ask for it. Now, my sister, she would ask for credit cards. She would ask for, I mean, it, it, she had no problem, no issue there. Maybe uh, she needs to be the finance person. Amen. But I just, I, 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 I've never been that way. I hated that. I, I never 
had that issue. So this is a, a topic that a lot of times people don't want to talk about, people don't want to hear, people don't want to deal with. Uh, but here's the thing. If you're here for the very first time, uh, for the last few weeks, we have been on a mission emphasis. We do this every year, and, uh, and we take a month out of the year and emphasize our missions, and we take up an offering that goes toward our missions endeavors and our missions projects. Uh, uh, we support uh, church planners all over the world. We support uh, training centers in, in the Matili region or Mightily region and, and Burma also. And so we, we take up this offering for that. And, and that's what this emphasis has been all month. And last week, Brother Nelms was here, which was an awesome guy, by the way. Amen. He was totally awesome. And, and, and he said some things that stunned me. I mean, I, I, I mean, stunned me. I, I, I didn't know it. I didn't realize it. Uh, maybe I just haven't uh, studied the, the, the church in America good enough, but he made these two statements, these two numbers he threw out there, that less or, or, uh, 20%, 20% of all the professing Christians in America give nothing. Nothing. Zero. Are y'all with me? Now, I don't know about you, and I, maybe it's just because I grew up a preacher's kid, and I just assume that everybody that loves Jesus is a generous giver. And everybody that is saved appreciates their salvation and wants to, you know, give. I just assume that. And when, so when I hear 20% of professing, not the world, professing American Christians, Americans who are the most blessed on the whole planet, And, and listen, there are people that are starving to death all over this world. Look around. That ain't here. Can we all agree with this statement? We're blessed. So how is that a possibility? Not only that, he said this. This is the second one. He said that, that the average American Christian gives less than 3% of their income to the cause of Christ. And I'm like, man, there's no way. How is that possible? Now, I, I know that those averages don't count at Temple. I know that can't be the case. Uh, now, and, and by the way, I don't know what you give. I have no idea what anybody gives. I don't mess with the money. I don't go around it. I don't touch it. I don't want Because I don't want nobody to be able to say, you was preaching at me. I can preach the book with no, no reservations and no hesitation because I don't know who gives what. So, so I don't have to, I'm not preaching at anybody. I'm just preaching a book. Are y'all with me? So I'm praying though, I'm praying though that those statistics are not, they're not evidence of temple. But if they are, here's, let's talk about that. I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I'm telling you, I could not get out of my head all week long. I'm thinking, how is this possible? How is this possible? And then I read the verse, I read the verse, God loves a cheerful giver. And so I have to come to this conclusion that those numbers are that way and those statistics are that way because people are really not happy about giving. Right? Now, men, how many men in here? Raise your hand, men. Or you'd like to be. Come on, men, raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Do you know that there are men that die by the thousands because they won't go to the doctor for a procedure 
then it's very treatable if it's called early enough, but we ain't going. You know why? We're not real happy about it. Think about this. Why don't we do something? We're not real, we're not real thrilled about that prospect. Are y'all with me? We're not happy about it. So why would people not give? They're not real happy about it. They're not real cheerful about it. I started thinking in my head. I started thinking in my head, what are the, what are the motives? What are the, what are the motives for giving? And in, in, in my life, you got to understand, I grew up in, a, in an independent Baptist movement, if you will, that was, it was pretty legalistic. And when you're legalistic, you use wrong ways to try to motivate good things. And so I would be in services where they would use guilt, guilt as a motivation for giving. And by the way, this is not, this is not really just, just isolated to churches. We've been using guilt for centuries. How many of y'all heard this? You better eat all that food. They're starving children in China. What, what? What? They can have mine. I said that one time. <laughs> Ship it to them, mail it. And by the way, that didn't end up good for me. <clears throat> Am I preaching? We use guilt all the time. We try to guilt somebody. And by the way, my brother taught me something. He's a great philosopher. He's barely saved, but he was a great philosopher. He said this, a mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. And when you try to guilt somebody into doing something, they're not real tickled about it. Even if they do do it, they didn't want to. So that's not the right way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I'm afraid sometimes maybe we've done that because we were just raised that way and we were taught that way, but it will never be that way again at Temple Baptist Church. Because that, the Bible clearly teaches against guilt, pressure to motivate people. Listen, not guilt giving, but also this. There's greed giving. Greed giving. What does that mean? When, when the guy stands up there and says, God will give you a triple, quadruple blessing if you'll just plant a seed here. and, and... Y'all seen it. Come on, don't look at me that way. All you got to do is turn on TBN and you'll see it all the time. If you'll send in this certain offering, God's going to bless you specifically and you'll be able to ride a Rolls Royce to church. That is nowhere in the Bible. And we try to motivate people to give for what they can get. Now, I'm glad that I can read the Bible and study the Bible that God does bless giving. We just read it. It's the, it's the law of sowing and reaping. You sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you'll reap. So that's there. And we can encourage that. But if you give so you can get, you ain't going to get. So that's not good either. It's not about guilt. And it's not about greed. It's about grace. And, and this is what we're going to study here. And I know the intro is kind of long, but the message is not. So just bear with me. I don't want to have guilt giving at Temple. I don't want you to feel obligated at all. One, Not one iota. I don't want you to come in and say, well, he's after my money. If you don't want to give, don't give. Because if you give and you don't want to give, you don't get credit for it no way. I know our administrator's falling and about to have a heart attack right now, me talking like this. But I'm telling you, it's not about guilt. And it's not about greed. 
We're not going to give so we can get something. No, we need to give because of grace. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, we learn an important principle about grace giving. Not out of obligation, not out of compulsion, not out of just implying and putting on a guilt trip, but giving out of grace. Let me, let me lay it out for you. <clears throat> this, this section of the second letter of Corinthians was a letter written to the, the Corinthian church encouraging them to give. They were, they were taking up a special offering for the poor and the destitute in Judea, back in Jerusalem. They were going through a very, very difficult time, famine and all this type of thing. And, and so Paul was going to all the churches that he had planted in his missionary journeys and encouraging them to give and encouraging them to help support the need that was there. It was a special offering, kind of like we're taking up our mission offering. It was a special offering for the purpose of helping those back in Judea. Well, a year before that, they had promised to give something. But they never followed through with it. They never went through with it. They said, yeah, we'll do it. Hey, man, that's great. We'll get it. We'll, hey, we'll give something big. We'll, we'll help you with that. But they never did. How many of y'all know actions speak louder than words? So they didn't follow through with their commitment. So this letter is coming to them and encouraging them, encouraging them to fulfill and follow through with the promise they had made to help support this cause and this need. All right, in Acts, or excuse me, in chapter number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, he first begins and he says, let me tell you about the churches in Macedonia. This is in northern Greece. This is a Roman province here. Uh, this was Thessalonica, Philippi, and uh, let's see, I, I wrote it down. I don't remember which the other one was. Berea, Berea, Thessalonica, Philippi, and Berea. These churches here in Macedonia. He says, let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you what they did. So let's look in, in verse number 1, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do wit you to the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. This is Philippi. You remember Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped. In other words, they went way beyond what we were even hoping they would do. But first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And all God's people said. All right, so there's two points. I've got two points to the message today. If you're taking notes or writing these things down, write this down. Number one, number one, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see a pattern to review, a pattern to review. When he was encouraging the Corinthians to give by grace, he gives them a pattern. He gives them an example to follow. He says, I want you to look at the churches of Macedonia. Look what they did. You say, how, how did they give? What is the pattern of grace giving, not guilt giving, not greed giving, but grace giving. First, A, if you're taking notes, write this down, it is spontaneous. It is spontaneous. What does that mean? They didn't have to bribe them. They didn't have to pry it out of them. They didn't have to beg for it. By the way, the way they worded it, the way they worded it, 
it says this, that the Macedonians begged Paul to take it. Y'all get me? I mean, that would be like some of y'all coming here and say, come on, preacher, are you going to wait all the way to the end of the service to take the offering? Come on, take it early. Are you serious? Please take an offering. We want to give. Let me read it. Let me read it. Some of y'all looking like you don't believe it. Look what it says, verse 4. Praying us. Look up the words. It means beseeching, begging. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Please take this. Now, what is so significant about this? If you read the first couple verses, you'll find out that these were not wealthy people. Not only, not only were the Macedonians not wealthy, they were in a great trial of affliction. They were being persecuted. Most of them had lost their way of making a living because they wouldn't, they wouldn't support the, the idol makers and the idolatrous people. So, so many of them had lost their jobs. They were in a horrible financial situation. A horrible economic situation. The land there had been ravaged by war. They were under the the burden of the Romans and the Roman commerce there and the taxes that they were there. They were in a very bad way. Some commentators, some commentators, I read a commentary this week that said when when you read and study that, it was the type of economic situation that would cause a man to be a beggar. It was that bad. It was that bad. But let's read it. Let's read what it says. It says that in verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So what do we have here? We have affliction and, and, and great poverty plus grace equals joy and generosity. Now think about that a minute. They were under great persecution. They were in great poverty. But when God added grace to the situation, when they had experienced the grace of God and the mercy of God, you remember that grace we were singing about a while ago? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What is grace? That God would leave heaven and come to this earth and die on a cross so that me, a sinner, God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost and undone without God or his son on my way to hell, and Jesus saved my soul forgave me of my sin I didn't have to earn it I didn't have to work for it I received it by faith that is grace and when they'd experienced grace it produced joy and generosity in the midst watch in the midst of great affliction and great poverty You see, that right there completely messes up the argument. Well, we're just not in a a good financial place right now. Because they gave regardless. That's grace given. It's spontaneous. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to pry it out of people. You have a desire to. 
You have a want to. Are y'all with me? You, you, you can look. I put, I put several verses. Look, in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 35, verse 5, God commands Moses to tell the people to bring an offering. This is when they come out of bondage. When they come out of bondage and they're in the wilderness, they need to build a church or a tabernacle. To us, it would be a church. It would be a place to meet with God. And he says, take you from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord. Well, then in verse 20, it says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man had offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Now watch what happens. In the next chapter, in Exodus 36, verse 4, it says, And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary. Now this is what happened. God commanded Moses to tell the people to bring a willing offering for this cause. Okay, Moses took the offering and gave it to the workers who were building the tabernacle and said, here, take this and use this to build the tabernacle. All right, at some point, at some point in the deal, here come the workers who are building the tabernacle. Here's what they say. It says, and the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. The people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and to much Moses had to say stop giving what made them that way what caused them to give like that could it be that they could still smell Egypt behind them could it be that they remembered that they were slaves could it be that they remembered the torture they had experienced and the trial of affliction they had gone through, and this one who was asking for the free will offering was the one who delivered them out of Egypt and promised them the promised land? Could it be that they were thankful and grateful and appreciative of what God had done for them? Man, let me do something for God. Do you know what? I think the Macedonian church was the same way. I think even though they were in a great affliction and great poverty, they were so thankful for what the God of glory had done for them in their lives. They said, please let us help. Grace giving is spontaneous. Not only is it spontaneous, but B, it's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. Look what it says. It says, verse 3, verse 3, For to their power, in other words, their ability, For to their power I bear record, yea, watch this, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Preacher, what's the point? 
They were sacrificial in their giving. They gave beyond. In other words, they, they gave, but then they gave sacrificially. That is New Testament giving. New Testament giving is not about a percentage that we've been told our whole life. It's amazing. We'll say, okay, that's 10%. That's, what, that's only what God expects. God expects your heart. It's not about a percentage. You know, everybody in this room, everybody in this room cannot give the same, can they? It's, it's impossible. There are some people that can give much. There are some people that can give little. But guess what? God doesn't measure what you give. God measures what you keep. Think about that a minute. God doesn't measure what you give. God measures what you keep. Let me prove it. The Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Well, they were rich. Okay, so they could cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which was a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Now, remember, there were rich folks that was casting in a ton. But Jesus said, this woman has put more in than anybody. Why? Because his calculator was different than theirs. Watch it says, verse 44. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want, and that word means need, her lack, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Are y'all with me? Let, me? let me read this. And listen good at this, please. God sees the heart gift, not the hand gift. If the heart wanted to give more but was unable to do so, God records what's in the heart. But if the hand gives more than the heart wants to give, God doesn't record what's in the hand. He records what's in the heart. Oh, boy. No matter how big the offering in the hand might be. You see, God sees not the portion, but the proportion. If we could have given more and did not, God makes a note. If we wanted to give more and could not, God also notes that. When we give willingly, according to what we have, we are practicing grace giving. Preacher, what are you saying? I think we're realizing that this giving thing is a matter of the heart. They said, please let us give. Please let us help. And boy, did they. Paul, they, did it, they gave in such a way that Paul said, they exceeded our expectations. In other words, they did more than we, we, we didn't even realize. They did more than we had hoped. Now, see, he's telling the Corinthians this because he's using the Macedonians to encourage the Corinthians. Are y'all with me? Now, how'd they do that? How were they able to, in deep poverty, in deep affliction, in deep trials, how were they able to be so generous? How was that possible? Obviously, it was the grace of God. Grace was the motivation. But here's how, guys. When I saw this, I'm like, whoa, there's the answer. There's the answer. You see, grace giving is spontaneous giving. 
Grace giving is what I say the second one was, sacrificial giving. But grace giving is surrendered. Come on, say it. Say it. Watch this. Watch this. He says they were spontaneous in verse number 2. He said they were sacrificial in verse number 3. They were begging, please take this offering from us in verse number 4. Now watch. Verse 5. Let's read verse 5. Can you put that on the screen? And this they did, not as we hoped. In other words, Paul said, man, they went beyond what we was going to ask for. Watch. But first, say it with me, but. Say it again. Say it again. Okay? Before you even give a dime, whether it's your local offering, whether it's to the building, or whether it's to missions, before you give a dime, the first thing you have to do first is give yourself to the Lord. Look what it says. But first gave their own selves to the Now watch this. And unto us by the will of God. In other words, what Paul is saying here is a simple fact. Before they gave an offering to us, they first gave themselves to God. Do you want me to tell you why? You want me to tell you why 20% are giving zero? Let me tell you why 20% of American Christians are giving zero and and the average Christian is giving less than 3% is because they've not surrendered to God. They do not see their lives as under His control. They see God, they see God as the spare tire, not the steering wheel. They see God as somebody they need when they get in a bind or they, they need when they have a need. They don't see God as in charge and in control of their home, of their visions, of their dreams, of their direction, of their finances. They're not surrendered to God. How in the world was the Macedonians able to do what they did? Because they were totally sold out to God. You see, so the key is not what you have in your bank. The key is what you have in your heart. It's a heart thing. They were surrendered to God and His will. That, my friend, is grace giving. Now, before before I give you the second point, and we're done, I want everybody to know, and I mean this with all my heart. I've even been practicing this the week so I can say it right. I mean this with all of my heart. If your heart is not right, don't give. You've because you, you're wasting it. You mean the church don't need it? Yes, the church needs it. Yes, we did. We not see that eighty-one percent of the world is dying and going to hell, and the thousands and thousands and thousands of villages and people, people groups who have never heard the gospel. Yes, we need it to send the missionaries, to send and plant the churches, and to send the training centers. Yes, we need it. But I'm telling you, if you give and your heart's not right, I would rather you not give. Because God does not like giving in a grudge. So what is the church going to do? They're going to run it. Hey, it's not my problem. This isn't my church. This isn't my building. It's his. If you don't give, that's you. 
I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and do what I'm called to do. And if this goes under because God's people don't do what they're supposed to do, that's between them and God and God and them. And I'm telling you with all honesty, I don't want to, I don't want to guilt you into nothing. I don't want anybody. We had, we had some, I don't know who it was, but somebody was going around town telling, telling people that in order to join temple, you had to turn in your tax, whatever that tax number form is. God is my witness. Somebody asked one of our altar workers that they'd heard that, and, it's, and I'd heard that before, but please. Obviously, they ain't never been temple. It's a, it, I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. It's a heart thing. All right? The second thing I want to share with you, and I'll do this quick, and this is more encouraging than the first part. <clears throat> What was number one? What was number one? A or excuse me, number one, the first point. Do y'all see the pattern of grace giving that the Macedonians displayed, and what he's trying to teach the the, the Corinthians here? Now, here's what I want you to see in, in the second the second chapter we're going to look at, which is chapter nine. I want you to see I want you to see the the principle the principle of giving of grace giving. In other words, the word principle means a truth a truth that we can learn. Verse 6, verse 6 of chapter 9. When you get there, say amen. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So the first thing I want you to see in grace giving is the principle of the harvest or the harvest principle. When you give... It, it, that, that's really that's really a bad a bad word to use, because the word invest would be a whole lot better term. Because you will never out give God. How many of y'all? How many of y'all? Don't you love growing up and hearing preachers use verses wrong? When you get older and wiser, and you learn that they use that that verse out of context. Because they had an agenda. Let me give you one. Let me give you one. Uh, uh, God is not mocked. Y'all remember that verse? How's the first part go? Before that. Before God is not mocked. Be not deceived. Now here's the thing. It says, be not deceived. God will not be mocked, right? For whatsoever a man, that shall he also. Now, anytime when I was growing up, anytime I heard that verse or heard that verse taught or preached, it was this. Don't sin because you'll pay for it. When you hear sowing and reaping, what do you? I'm going to go sow my wild I've never heard I'm going to sow my wild dollars. Because the, 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 the way this verse has been used all down through the years and the centuries is talking about sin. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall also reap. What is he saying? You better watch yourself. Don't, don't trick yourself because if you get out and sin, you're going to pay for it. Now, we know, we know that is true. We know that when, you know, you will... How many of y'all parents know you'll pay for your raisin? 
How many have seen something you did to your parents that your child did to you? And hated it. That moment, y'all know that, say, that moment when you realize your child is just like you. Are y'all with me? So there is a, a sowing and reaping principle there. But you know, that's not what that verse is talking about. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. That means bad mouths. Study it out. It means nobody's going to be able to talk about God. And when you put it in connotation with the whole chapter, you'll find out he's talking and referencing giving. He said, if you will give, if you will be generous, if you will be generous, listen, whatever you give, you're going to receive. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. What does that mean? Nobody will be able to stand in the face of God and say, God, I gave all this. You owe me. Because God doesn't work that way. God won't be mocked. Whatever you give to him, you will get so much more back. You see, the principle of the harvest is this. What you give, you'll receive. What did Jesus say out of his own mouth? Give. And it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. What? Whatever you give. If you give grief, if, if you give unforgiveness, but guess what? If you give mercy, if you give love, if you give of your resources, God said you'll never go without. By the way, in Philippians, I love, you know, that all the athletes and Tim Tebow for president say amen right there. He always put the verses on his cheekbones. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But guess what? You know what he was talking about in that chapter? Generosity. And then, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You know what he's talking about? Generosity. Because there's a principle of giving. There's a principle of generosity. What you sow, you will. And if you sow sparingly, that's fine. That's fine. See, it's not about guilt. Whatever you it's you. If you sow sparingly, guess what? You're going to reap sparingly. If you sow, you're going to reap. That's all, that's all I'm going to say about that. That's all that needs to be said about that. But here's the most important part. I want you to leave with this. I got like a minute to say this. <clears throat> I want you to see not only the harvest principle, but I want you to see the motive, the motive principle. He says, every man, how many of them? All of us in here. Every man, according as he hath purpose in his heart, so let him give. Not not, come on everybody, not grudgingly or of, why? For God loveth a cheerful giver. Listen, <clears throat> let me read this and, and we'll, we'll pray. Motive, and everybody listen good, listen to this. You remember we talked about the, the, the harvest, the farmer? Do you know 
Do you know if a farmer puts seed in the ground, his motive is irrelevant? It's irrelevant. It don't matter why he did it. The fact is he put it in the ground. If there's good weather, it's going to come up, right? So motive is irrelevant. But that's not the case when it comes to the Christian. Because God cares more for why you did it than what you did. Now watch. Motive makes absolutely no difference to the farmer. If he sows good seed and has good weather, he will reap a harvest, whether he worked for profit, pleasure, or pride. It makes no difference how he plans to use the money that he earns. The harvest will probably come just the same. But not so with a Christian. Motive in giving or any other activity is vitally important. Our giving must come from the heart. And the motive in the heart must please God. Watch this. We must not be sad givers who give grudgingly. Or mad givers who give because they were in necessity and somebody guilted them into it. But we should be glad givers who cheerfully share what we have because we have experienced the grace of God. Proverbs 22, 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. Let's sum it up. Let's sum it up. Don't ever give again because you feel like you have to. Don't ever give again because some high-pressure salesman made you feel guilty to do something. Never again. I give in three ways here, and most, most people at Temple do. I give my regular offering every week because I like to keep these lights on, and I like the air conditioner, and I like the heater, and even more importantly than that, I like having materials and facilities so the next generation that's up in them stairs up there, them babies are hearing about Jesus Christ. Every single week, every single week, I give to that. All right? I give to the building because I know it's needed. We have to have this. I'm going to die one day, and I want my great-grandbabies to have a place to go to church if Jesus don't return. So I give to that. Every single week. And by the way, nobody on our staff is asking you to give anything they're not already doing. All right? So then I give to missions a third way. Why? Because I'm tired of seeing missionaries bring back pictures of millions of people who don't know Jesus. And I know there is a real cause and a real reason. And I'm not going to give you the amount. That's, that's irrelevant. I'm just saying I do that because I love Jesus. And he has been the best friend to me that I've ever had. He has blessed my life in such an incredible way. And, and I will say this. I will say this. And, I, and I'm cautioning because I don't want you to, I don't want to take it as bragging because it's, it's totally not that. I, I wanted to use it as an encouragement. In the last two years, with our missions emphasis with the Miley region and the giving there and with our building and all of that, our family has given more than we've ever given. And I can tell you this, in the last two years, God has blessed my family more than I could ever dream. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to know that harvest principle is true. It's true. But today, 
We're going to take up our regular offering like we always do after the invitation. But then we're asking you to, if you will, if you'll help us to give toward our missions project and, and, and starting these churches and planning these churches and starting these training centers. There's going to be a box. There's going to be a box at each entrance. And if you don't have, a, if you don't have the missions envelope, if you can get one, I, I, I guess they're at 411 or wherever they're at. Uh, they can get them if, or in the bulletin. Well, we asked you to take them home last week and pray about what God would have you do. You take that envelope and you put it in those boxes. And if you forget about that, you can put it in one of the boxes on the walls or in the regular offering. But they're two separate things, and I encourage you to do it. If you, if, listen, if you have to give grudgingly, don't give. If it makes you sad, don't give. Don't. But preacher, we need... Don't. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. And all God's people say it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings today. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to serve you. Thank you for this great congregation. Lord, this is a giving church. This is a generous church. God, I want everybody to know it's a heart thing. No longer greed, no longer guilt, but all about grace. Our offering is going to be based on the grace of God and the grace of God in our lives. I pray that you'll bless it, use it for your glory. Lord, I pray for that one in this building that's never been saved. They've never come to know you as their personal Savior. I pray today will be the day we have people at these altars, people up in the balcony. Be glad to take a Bible and show them how to be saved. Lord, I pray today will be the day. Lord, I pray for the Christian here who's not surrendered. They believed on you with their heart and they've trusted you with their life. But God, they've not completely sold out to you. They, they haven't been like the Macedonian church. They haven't fully surrendered themselves. Father, I pray that they'd understand the joy and the peace that comes when you're fully surrendered to God. You could be under a great trial of affliction. You could be in great poverty. You could be under great difficulty and still have joy when you're fully surrendered. And I pray for that. I pray for the Christian here who professes your name, but they haven't surrendered to you. I pray today would be that day. And I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.